When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the way. We want it men. everybody welcome to the smugglers galaxy podcast this week is episode number eight and we're going to get into the mandalorian uh after we get in our our weeks and uh our weeks in the news there's not a whole lot going on in the news but but it's been kind of cool there's some cool stuff popping up and uh, we'll talk about it for a few minutes but uh jason how's your week going so far man it's going great how's uh how's everything with you uh, it's going pretty good, other than, than a couple of family issues, but uh, we're getting it handled, so we're we're doing good. I'm glad to hear you're doing good. Yeah, awesome. Did you get any cool stuff? Um, well, I picked up a couple of those Black Series figures that popped up at Walmart. I think um, we're part of the Georgia Alliance group, and our Facebook page was inundated yesterday with reports from Walmart all over Atlanta with their shippers and their carbonized vintage collection figures and their black series figures and yesterday morning i actually met one of our members inadvertently we just kind of bumped into each other at seven in the morning at a walmart looking for the shipper but i did get the ahsoka and the um the ahsoka clone trooper uh, i was the last two on the shelf yesterday after work so that was that was pretty cool i saw the ahsoka and some of the carbonized three and three quarter and then that uh the darth maul mandalorian i saw that yesterday and that ahsoka looks looks pretty awesome it's one of the better sculpts because i yeah. like that I like that outfit she's got because I, I never really liked her outfit in Rebels, but then that outfit in Clone Wars is, is is a really cool sculpt. Yeah, it's a great figure, and I'm glad to have that as part of the collection. Cool. Yeah, and and then yet again the repaints on the three and three quarter with the carbonized. I wasn't too impressed with those, but you know I know people like them. Yeah, I like them. I I'm gonna have to figure out if I for the next couple of years want to continue collecting these repaints because. I only have so much room and I think I'm going to have to just stick to the main line and, and not dive in with every little minor new line that they develop, like these carbonized um, vintage collection figures. Yeah, I agree with you. I've, I've kind of, I've had to for, I used to be a completist, but I've had to force myself to be a, you know, I got to get what I like and whatever I can put my hands on and not really hunt a whole lot. Cause yeah. when you become a completist, you just, you run out of room real fast. And that's bad news for Hasbro because they want us to buy this stuff. But, you know, how many different carbonized versions of a character do I need? Exactly. Or how many Fets do I need or how many, uh, you know, how many Ahsokas or, or whatever. So, yeah, I definitely I, I can see Hasbro wanting to make money, but they, they you know, we got to put a stop to it eventually. Yeah, there's a budget. Yeah, exactly. The wife will be pissed if we're yep. spending too much money on Star Wars. Prefer to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. You got to have the room. You got to stay married so you can have the room to store all your stuff. Yeah. I, I've got an interesting story. I kind of want to, I want to uh, talk about, and I want to give props to one of the local stores, uh, Plastic Empire. They had a, an exclusive Marty McFly pop that came up. Dude, just to tell you the story, I've kind of heard it through the grapevine is that this, this figure, it's a, it's limited to 3000 and it was a glow in the dark Marty McFly. Um, apparently what happened was Michael J. Fox commissioned Funko to make these so he can sell them at conventions, which, you know, on the surface, it's like, oh, cool. But then when you really look into it, you're like, hold on, Michael J. Fox was doing conventions. Um, so yet another reason why 2020 sucks, because uh, my wife's already, I've already told her if Michael J. Fox is within driving distance, I'm going to freaking pay to meet him and yeah. get his autograph because I'm just with his whole story and him having Parkinson's, my grandmother died from Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, everything he does, he's, he's got a, it's a personal story to me. And, uh, you know, a kid growing up in the eighties, you know, Michael J. Fox was everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, Funko, I guess, put the, the line up, the 3000 up for bid and plastic empire won the bid. So the, of course the, with it being a small company, they had to help pay for, you know, help fund for it. So number one, it was a $40 pop, which, kind of blew my mind but when you think about it you're like yeah okay $40 I'll just freaking go pay for it but they did a release online one day at like four o'clock in the afternoon and all the bots did bots ate them all up so then they personally went through and cleared out a bunch of stuff and then made them available one more time and yet again more bots got them they made like a, they had a three-pack with a couple of Mark Hamill pops so they, that one didn't sell really well so they made a, an announcement, hey, send us an email, we'll send you, a, a, you know, an invoice and then you can buy them that way. And then when, once they were kind of done with everything, they go, okay, we have 100 left and we're going to put them for sale in the store. So it was a, like a noon on last Sunday. And uh, I'd been following it and, you know, just because I like the store. They used to be probably 90% pops. They've kind of taken one side of the store, put some glass showcases in. And they've come, you know, like the NECA and all the really expensive figures. They've actually got a pretty decent selection of uh, vintage Star Wars. It's not much, but it's a couple of shelves at, at really good prices, in my opinion. So go check them out there in Marietta. So, but anyway, on their Facebook page, they made an announcement. Hey, we have, instead of having 100, we have 144. So we're going to take the extra 44 and we're going to put a line pass, you know, give you a front of the line pass if you can get here you know, the, we've got 44 line passes. So I was lucky enough to just be getting in my car, heading home, put up Facebook, saw that they were doing it. So I was able to get there within a half an hour and get one of the tickets. Yeah. But there were people that were there at six o'clock in the morning or earlier trying to get on that Sunday to get in line and we're waiting all day to get these pops. But I just, I want to give them, and I was able to get one and it's a really cool pop. It's limited to 3000. It's in my, it's in my collection and I'm, I'm happy to have it. Uh, but I just, I, I tell the story because I want to give Plastic Empire the pop, you know, the props because they handled it so well. They're the guy, Dustin, that owns it. It's a two or three person business and it's his own, you know, it's his business. And he didn't have to do what he did. He could have just let the bot, pops, the bots take the 3,000 of them and, and said, you know, sorry guys, the bots got them. But he took care of the local people. He, he tried taking care of the, getting these, these figures into collectors hands and into collectors uh collections when you see a store that takes the time and and, and does it right like they did I, I you know they need to be praised and they need to be brought up so that's why i'm doing it uh there were scalpers there we i got there at like 11 30 
people, like I said, people were there since six, seven o'clock in the morning, even earlier waiting in line for these things. You know, there was, you could tell where the scalpers were. You could tell where people were, they were weeding people out of line going, you're a scalper or you're helping a scalper because they'd ask them, Hey, you know, they were like, what do you want? Oh, I want that toy that you guys are releasing today. Yeah. You don't, you're not really here. You're, you know, we know why you're here. You're buying it for somebody else. Big, big, big props to plastic empire. Thanks for taking care of the collectors. Check them out there in Marietta. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then on the flip side of the coin, I'm, I'm really mad at Funko. And I, I say it a lot, but I try to be a completist with my, my Funko with a little bit of pops because I got rid of more than half of my pops. I kept all my Back to the Future and I kept um, my Mandalorian, or not Mandalorian, kept my Bubba Fett run uh, because I've had them pretty much complete. Well, on Wednesday, it was Back to the Future Day, December, I'm sorry, October 21st. And they release a you know, uh, Funko shop, Marty McFly pop. And I look at it and I'm like, this pop, all they did was change something up. Like I said, every time and sold it for $15 and it just, you don't see it till it's too late. And I don't want to spend $25 on a pop that I already, that's just a change up of what I already have. So, you know, damn you Funko for, for doing what you do and making everybody spend the money. Yeah, you, you really hurt the complete is doing the way you do it. But, you know, it's just like Hasbro's getting where, you know, they got to make their money. So that's all I got. Uh, I finished. Uh, I don't know if you guys got book. Do you do you read the books, Jason? Uh, some of them. I, I just uh, I finished New Dawn, Dawn which is uh, the story of how Kanan and Hera met, yeah. which is it was it was really good. And then I've just started the new Thrawn uh, Chaos Rising which I love Timothy's on, uh, you know, he, he single-handedly saved the Star Wars universe. I, I, I you know, in the nineties, when the dark times, when nothing was around, they, you know, they approached him and he was like, we, you know, we don't know if we have any Star Wars fans yet, but here, write some books. And uh, they brought it, you know, he, he saved it. Yeah. I mean, Timothy's on for multiple reasons. It's a great author, but I mean, when I finished that, that original, that trilogy he wrote, um, Heir to the Empire and, and Dark Forces, was it Dark Forces Rising? Yeah, Dark Force Rising. Yeah. Um, I had a weird dream after completing that trilogy where I was watching it in the theater. It was very cinematic. And I just think that speaks to his talent as a writer where I was able to just envision it um, at a, in a dream one night. I could see Thrawn in his chair with the window behind him, much like the Emperor. His eyes were glowing. It was, it was incredible. So, I mean, those books really... I love those books and I'm looking forward to reading that new Thrawn book. I've read everything else that he's written. I just haven't read that one yet. Yeah. It's, it's a really good book. And I think they did, uh, they have a blue, the, the lining of the papers blue or the edge of the papers blue, uh, which I think kind of he- it helps because it, it jumps back and forth like the other ones did. Uh, the one with him and uh, Darth Vader and Anakin, I'm uh, not Darth. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> the one with Anakin and Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, you know, it jumps back and forth, but at least it, it's hard to keep track of what's happening on this one with the edges being different. You know, the blue, they actually, you, the, the, it looks like the print's different and the edge of the paper's different. So you can at least go, hey, all right, I'm on this section and then you bounce back. And, uh, you know, so far so good on the book. So is this like a prequel, like a young Thrawn? Yes, it's it's him with the Chiss. It, it actually, oh. it says, it, it goes into how the Chiss the ascendancy the ascendancy it says how the chiss ascendancy started and kind of goes into their hierarchy and how they can uh there's like seven families and it says how they can add to their families and stuff uh, and it says how thrawn 
became, you know, kind of runs up the ladder and, and it, it's almost from the beginning. He's a, a troublemaker. So are Chiss um, like him where they're, they're strategic geniuses or is he just a unique one? He is just, from what I can tell, he is just a unique, a unique individual. There's a part uh, where he's on a ship and he gets stopped uh, because he's in a, a section he shouldn't be in. And the commander of the ship is like, you know, talking to him and what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm learning the ship. And he goes, well, you know, you don't need to be in here and kind of does a test on him. And Thrawn can tell him what the front of the ship is. And he's like, when, how many starships have you been on? He goes, this is my first one. And the commander was like, it took me 15 to figure out what you know. Wow. You know, 15 trips. So yeah, he is, he's a badass from the very get go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, get that book and read it. It's a new trilogy, right? This right. Is the first of three. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the first. It yeah, the new trilogy. It's a prequel. Yeah, the prequel trilogy. And I think it actually outbound. Is it outbound flight? That there was another one of books that I didn't even realize Thrawn was in. It's I think it paired the those two books kind of pair up with each other. Hmm. Oh, very cool. Something to look forward to. Yeah, it, it's a very good book. But it takes me forever to read books. So I. But I enjoy reading. Yeah. Anything else you get this week? Yeah, I did uh, at a lunchtime went to Walmart looking for those new Black Series figures, and I did pick up a Hondo going off of um, our conversation last week. It was the vintage collection Hondo Anaka, and it's a pretty cool photo because it looks like a real Hondo. It's not photoshopped or um, airbrushed like I think um, their Afro was. Nice. I, I'm debating whether I need to pick up the Hondo Black Series just to kind of keep with my Rebels run. I'll answer that for you. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I have to pick it up. I, I wish yeah. I had it. Yeah. One of the guys in the club had him for like 20 bucks and I should have picked it up. And I don't know if he's still, he lives right down the street from me. So I need to maybe contact him and yeah, hit him up. Speaking of rebels, I did finish my second rewatch of rebels and yeah, that if you haven't watched rebels, watch rebels, but watch the clone wars first. There's a lot of callbacks to the clone wars and rebels and knowing what happened and, and knowing the backstory just opens rebels up so so much better yeah i mean rebels was a great show i've my son and i watched it together and i think i love that father-son bonding and we were able to just you know every time it came on sit down together and watch a new episode of rebels so there was a little bit of that um relationship between kanan and ezra and so it was kind of like the same thing with us watching rebels but that show really speaks to him so that i think that's his star wars believe it or not i mean he likes the movies and everything but when when he has the option he would prefer to dress up like ezra and go to the conventions he has ezra's lightsaber i think that's his star wars so for me that that show has a lot of place in my heart because of that that's awesome because that as much as i love the movies it's when you get into the Clone Wars and when you get into the books and when you get into Rebels that it's what I really enjoy. I love the movies, but like I said, the collecting and the TV shows and Rebels kind of, you know, the movies take a backseat to that. Yeah. And the thing I really, really enjoy about the Clone Wars is for the longest time you would think Star Wars is a Western or Star Wars is an action film or something like an adventure film, I should say. Um, but the Clone Wars really blew that up and said, no, it could be a monster um, with the Zillow Beast, you can have like a Godzilla story. And then there was Mad Scientists and um, Clone Wars really just opened up Star Wars to say you could drop in a lot of the normal tropes that you would see in, in film and TV 
and put it in the Star Wars universe and it still works. That's what I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to with High Republic. I want to, um, you know, that's coming out in, in the beginning of 2021, um, you know, seeing 200 years in, in the past and seeing how the Jedi started and, and uh, you know, you see the concept art of that and, and the Jedi's, you know, it's like finally we're getting to see what a Jedi really is instead of people hiding in, in, a, in a tower making decisions, they're going to get yeah. out there and, and hopefully be some badasses. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I, not as um, excited to read those books for some reason, I guess, than I am with like the Thrawn stuff, but that's familiar to me. So, I mean, but I'm always willing to give it a shot. I'm just not like jiving on it. I'm more excited about the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, that Mandalorian dude. Yeah, the Mandalorian, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't I've watched the um, the tra- the trailers, but I, I if I watch them too much, I get too excited and then I become disappointed when I see the when I see the show or the movie. Oh, yeah, I, I did it with Force Awakens, and I did it with the new Bill and Ted movie, and I just you sit there watching the trailer and dissecting it, and are like, I can't wait for this movie, and then when you see it, you you're disappointed because you you just overhype it. Yeah, you know, I just I gotta not do that. That's a lesson I learned with The Phantom Menace because leading up to The Phantom Menace, there was so much hype. You couldn't turn a corner without seeing something. Phantom Menace at a a fast food joint or at the grocery store, at the toy store, wherever. Phantom Menace was everywhere and it was just like, I can't wait for this movie. And I don't think it lived up to the hype. I don't think it's a bad movie. But ever since then, whenever I go see new Star Wars material, I sit there and I say, this is not going to be any better than The Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to turn off all expectations and just give me what you got. Right. And that's a great way to look at it. And that's sort of what I learned with, with everything is just, you know, take a step back. Speaking of Mandalorian, let's get into that for a minute. Uh, What, what are you excited about this season? What are you hoping we see? What are you hoping, uh, you know, compared to last season? um, What are you looking forward to? What I really looking forward to is I guess getting more into this universe and and learning a little bit more about the Mandalorian as backstory. We got, we got some of that in in season one. But season two, I'm hoping that they go a little bit more deeper into it, maybe unlock some new mysteries for us. I really like the the used universe feel. I really like the Western feel. I love how the Mandalorian was this guy who just was a ruthless character, basically, just in it for money and for the greater good of Mandalorians. He didn't care about anyone else if you were not a Mandalorian. But then this baby comes along and he kind of has a heart for it and it changes him. And I'm looking forward to that relationship, too, in season two. Right. Yeah. I want to, I want to see where they're going to go with, with the child. Uh, I kind of, I, I like watching uh, the Mandalorian grow a, as a Mandalorian because, you know, you see him and, you know, his armor is all pieced mealed together, which I love. I love that, that feel that, like you said, the used feel yeah. and, and just the, the kit bashed is what, what they call it in the, in the toy industry. I always love that kit bashed feel of star Wars. He's learning how to be a Mandalorian. He's learning how, even though he's a badass, he's, he's learning, uh, the ways of Mandalore as he's being a bounty hunter. And that's what I love about that character. Um, I'm really hoping, dude, I can't, the freaking Darksaber as a Rebels and Clone Wars fan, that Darksaber popping up at the end, I can't wait to see where they're going to go with that. Yeah, that's part of the mysteries I was talking about, how how Moff Gideon got the Darksaber, because I guess now he's in charge of Mandalorians in, in, in the universe. Yeah, he's in charge of the Mandalorians because he's got that Darksaber and everyone everyone on Mandalore follows that person. So that that's an interesting aspect of it too, because the Mandalorian should be following this guy. And whoever holds the dark saber rules Mandalore. So, you know, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested. I really hope we see a full on Jedi versus Mando fight 
because I don't know if you know this, Jason, but the reason why they, the Mandalorians have backpacks, the reason why they have fire, and the reason why their armor is their armor is to mimic Jedi and to fight Jedi. No, I didn't realize that. I guess it goes back to the, the, the wars that they used to have way back when, too. We got it a little bit with Jango and uh, Obi-Wan and a little bit again with Mace Windu, but I want to see more of that because, uh, you know, when – and when the when the death it's not even the death watch uh when the mandalorians came when they all popped up in the mandalorian that was that was just awesome um i mean i consider myself a mandalorian uh if i have to choose a fraction in the in the star wars universe so seeing that kind of stuff and learning it is just is, is awesome to me so was jango fett not a mandalorian because i thought he wasn't he's got mandalorian armor so is he trying to mimic them as a warrior or didn't they say something in the Clone Wars? How is he not a real true Mandalorian? What makes a Mandalorian a Mandalorian is them growing up on Mandalore, yeah. from what I, what I can remember. And because Jango and Boba didn't grow up on Mandalore, they're truthfully not Mandalorians. But I think they've changed canon so many times that now they are Mandalorians. There's some awesome EU books with Boba Fett in them. And, you know, um, it... it the, the thing that sucks, I understand why Disney got rid of the old school canon, mm-hmm. but there were some great stories with Boba Fett and Han Solo teaming up. And Boba Fett, you know, he's in the EU, Boba Fett survives the Sarlacc and yes. he becomes such a badass. There's stories of him wielding lightsabers. There's, you know, and that's what makes Boba Fett so awesome. Just the, the stories in the EU. And when we, when we lost the EU, we lost that canon. Yeah. We, we lost all of those stories. And, and I, I did breach. I went uh, here at Dragon Con. They had a, a, an author's panel. And I got up and I asked all the authors, you know, how they felt about all those stories, you know, basically going to the wayside. They explained to me that the reason they did it, and they were kind of glad because there was so much information out there. And Star Wars and George Lucas, Lucasfilm was so hell-bent on everything being right because, you know, as – as Star Wars fans, we can be, you know, buttholes if something's not right. And, you know, they were having to, you know, rewrite stuff multiple times because you'd have a, a, a proofreader say, hold on, in this book that was written 20 years ago, this isn't done. Right. It got messy. Yeah, it got real messy. So when Disney took over, they said, okay, we're going to start from scratch. No, the reason why I ask about Boba Fett is because it sounds like season two, it kind of hint at in the trailer that the Mandalorian's looking for other Mandalorians to help him take the child to his family. And if that's the case, there was a shot where there looked like the skeleton remains of a Bantha on Tatooine. There is one Mandalorian possibly on Tatooine that we know of, Boba Fett. It would be really cool to see that happen. And I just, I enjoyed seeing, you know, like I said, just the the clan and it it gets muddied uh, because you do have, I guess, you know, with him not wanting to take off his helmet and everything, you know, um, because then in Clone Wars and Rebels, yeah. all the Mandalorians are popping off their helmets. I kind of feel like, you know, things have happened in the past five years since, or I should say more like 20 years since the Clone Wars happened. Mandalorians are basically wiped out when they take people who were not born on Mandalorian because that's not who the Mandalorian is. He's not a true Mandalorian. So it seems like keeping your mask on never taking it off as a test of are you a Mandalorian or not because you, you weren't born on Mandalore so you know instead of that in lieu of that you need to keep your mask on all the time 
that's a good point. And when you think about it, what you just said, and, and what I can remember from the EU, the Mandalorian's not a Mandalorian because he wasn't born on Mandalore. So that would be my guess as to what the, what's going on here. I want to see Boba Fett just to, to see what happened and, and to prove, hey, look, he survived. Yeah. I think in Star Wars, the hero is only as good as the villain. I think, I think that's why a lot of people love Emperor Palpatine and Moff Gideon comes on the scene and he starts chewing the scene. He is basically, I mean, he's like Thrawn almost. He's a tactical thinker. He's thinking 12 steps ahead. He knows exactly who his enemy is and he's he knows, he kind of anticipate, anticipates what his enemies are going to do. He's got a ace up his sleeve, which is the Darksaber, which is revealed at the end of season one. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing him return and seeing what he can do against the Mandalorian. I think it's just going to be awesome. I love him as a villain. Right. They, they, I think they did a good casting with him, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but he, he gets typecast and he plays the same character everywhere. So you know what you're going to get with him. Yeah. But yeah, seeing that dark saber, because when you, you see the tip of it came out of that TIE fighter and I was like, wait a minute, is that holy crap? That's a dark saber. <laughs> Yeah, half the people were freaking out, and the other half the people were going, "What the heck is that?" Because you know the Mandalorian is definitely it bring is bringing some new people into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it, that that saber means a hell of a lot, people. So please do your research. Actually, uh, to give props, David Quinn, if you look up uh, Star Wars prototypes and pre productions, he's just his latest episode is on the dark saber, and yeah. it's a two part series and. His, his podcasts are amazing. He puts a ton of time in research uh, to do them and, and just give him, give him a listen. His stuff's, his, like I said, it's second to none. His stuff's awesome. Um, if you want just a wealth of knowledge, look up that podcast. The other thing I loved about season one and I'm looking forward to in season two, Filoni has, a, has an ability to take something old in the Star Wars universe and make it new again. Kind of like Cad Bane was one of the creatures in the cantina. You only see him for two seconds. Um, and he makes this whole cool bounty hunter out of him. Clancy Brown played, a, I guess his name was a Berg, who's like the devil-looking character in the cantina, I guess is the way I would put it. And he, he's just like the muscle in one of the episodes, the episode of The Prisoner, where they kind of break into a, um, I guess it's the New Republic now, a ship where they break out one of the Twi'leks. Um, but I love how he takes like old stuff and makes it new and make, gives it personality and Season two has those Gamorrean warriors, which we've seen in Return of the Jedi. And I'm really looking forward to seeing a different aspect of something that I'm very familiar with. Dave Filoni and um, John Favreau, their, their stuff is just, when, when you look at their backstory, it, it's, it's like, yeah, Star Wars needs to be in those two guys' hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just as big a Star Wars geek as everybody else, maybe bigger, probably two of the biggest Star Wars geeks out there. Yeah. And, you know, that Star Wars is definitely in good hands with those two. Tusken Raiders is another thing that they did. They reinvented in a way because in, in the movies, Tusken Raiders were just monsters that would just shoot and kill people. But they actually give some backstory to it. It's that, you know, it's their territorial. That's their territory. Stay out of their territory, basically. And the reason they shoot or attack people is because they haven't paid any respect to them. Um, and the, in the pod racing, um, you know, you see the Tatooine just shooting them like they're having fun with it. And it's not that they're having fun. It's it's their territory and you're trespassing and, you know, they're defending their land. You know, I, I did hear an interesting theory about that scene. Somebody was they were time travelers and they know what Anakin becomes. So they're trying to kill Anakin before he becomes Darth Vader. 
oh man <laughs> put my tinfoil hat on let me put some photos on the wall and connect everything and we'll get there eventually yeah it was it was just one of those really guys but you know it's it, one of those crazy off the wall theories but you think about it for a second and you're like wow you know that kind of makes sense yeah that was the one thing i didn't like about rebels was the time travel aspect of things right with the, what you know they got to bring back ahsoka yeah no i get it and it worked but i would prefer never to go there ever again Right. And they just, they did just do it for that one episode because, you know, I I thought it was for more than just that, but um, it was for only that one episode. And, and, you know, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish, which was bringing back his, his meal ticket, Ahsoka. But yeah, you know, going back to those, uh, the Tusken Raiders, that, that was one of the best, another just an awesome reveal in the Mandalorian when the guy's sitting there, you know, griping about Tusken Raiders and the Mandalorian's going, turn around and you turn around and there they are. Yeah. They snuck up on them like ninjas. Yeah. And they're doing the sign language and stuff and communicating. And yeah, like you said, it was just a new level to the Tusken Raiders, which was, which was cool, which is, which is awesome. Um, that whole episode in Tatooine was just freaking fan, you know, a callback yeah. and, and just fan fans were just freaking out over it. Fan fan service. That's what it's called. I get a lot of flack for it, but I think the Mandalorian does a fan service much better than Rise of Skywalker did. The Mandalorian gives something new to something that's old. I think Rise of Skywalker just gave you exactly what you wanted to see, and I don't think it worked as well as it does in The Mandalorian. Yeah, I think what happened with The Rise of Skywalker is he was trying to, J.J. was trying to shoehorn a bunch of stuff and make up for a lot of mistakes on the second movie. It was done It was done good, but it was just like, oh, look, there's John Williams. Oh, look, here's this. It, it, yeah. It, it it's not as hidden as well as the Mandalorian does it. Episode five of the Mandalorian, the gunslinger takes uh, the Mandalorian to Tatooine and the last shot of that, that episode, you see some boots kind of walk up on the, the body of the um, bounty that uh, the gunslinger was after. So who do you think those boots belong to? Dude, <laughs> I just blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, you did. It, it is. You, you threw me for a loop with that one. I want to think it's Boba Fett. I mean, it could be Moth Gideon. It, you know, it could be anybody. I, I think it's too easy to make it Boba Fett. Did you read the Aftermath novels? No. So the Aftermath novels was pretty interesting because there's a trilogy. Um, there's an A story, but in between there were like little snippets of other characters around the universe. Like Ewoks are being used like service dogs to help people who went through war just kind of calm and, and relaxed jar jar was in one scene and he was on that boo um performing for for some money um it was kind of a sad scene and there was a lot of humanity brought to jar jar that i think was absent in the movies but in those trilogies there was one kind of vignette um for this guy called Cobb fanth in the first book he was looking for armor that jawas found in a sarlacc and they kind of allude that he's got boba fett's armor and then he becomes a sheriff of a town called Freetown on Tatooine. Um, but they don't really say if Cobb Vanth is a is Boba Fett or if it's just somebody who came along and found the armor and decided to become a sheriff. The Rancor Keeper is there and he finds a little, I can't remember if it was a baby Rancor or if it was a baby hut. But he was going to, you know, he does. He lost his baby. He lost the Rancor and he's kind of lost in the world. And so Cobb Vanth kind of helps him find um, a, a little baby to take care of and so i don't know if it's Cobb vanth that we see at the end of uh, season five or if it mandalorian himself or excuse me 
uh, Boba Fett himself, but I'm interested to see how this all plays out because I've been questioning who Cobb Vanth is for a long, long time. And, and knowing those two guys that are in charge of that show, I would hearing what hearing your theory, hearing that, I would probably put all my money on that's who it is because they're they're good about you know pulling stuff back and you know or reaching back and pulling stuff out and being like well this is who this guy is um because i mean that's how they did the uh the safe what what's that thing called the ice cream maker yeah um, <laughs> komodo no it's not that whatever the hell the, they, they turned the ice cream maker in it's a, it's basically a safe that that holds money Right, yeah, the, the the safe that holds money. Uh, we're going to come up with it in about twenty minutes. When we, yeah, once we, we're done, we'll remember. <laughs> yeah, but that's what they did. Um, I mean, did you watch the 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 behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, that was great. I mean, you know, I, I love the behind the scenes stuff and how they talk about the directors and the actors and the makeup and even the technology itself was pretty amazing. Yeah, that that screen is is crazy. What they're what they're doing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they were talking about that, and and Ron Howard's daughter is sitting there going, "You guys are a bunch of freaking geeks." Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, <laughs> this is our unwinding time. We work hard, and then we come home and we geek out. Right. What else is there to talk about in Mandalorian? I think it would be remiss if we don't mention the child himself because I think he's the uh, he's the greatest and cutest thing to come from Star Wars in the Disney area era. Uh, I think he's a little bit better than BB-8 in my my view. He's the reason why everybody loves The Mandalorian, uh, because even my grandkids, they don't watch The Mandalorian, but they know who Baby Yoda is. Yeah. There's so much personality in that character without really doing much. It's just looks here and there. And um, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just a great, cute character. I love how Cara Dune and The Mandalorian were fighting, and he just kind of walks out. He or she, we don't know walks out with um, soup and is just sipping there and just looking the cutest thing like, hey, guys, what are you doing? Right. Why, why is mommy and daddy fighting? He's just so easy to shoot. You just get close on his face and he's just so awesome. I do love that one scene in the trailer where the bird, you know, he gets the, the swallows or birds of prey or whatever it's called. And baby Yoda looks at him and is like, oh, crap. No, it's going down. Yep, And he closes the pram and it's like, let's do this. <laughs> he knows the he knows the game right now. He's been in with the Mandalorian for a while. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with that. And, and I have seen, you know, fan stuff where he's wearing, he's got his own Mandalorian armor. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to go that far, but I yeah. definitely want to see what's going to happen with him. And I'm very excited to see what happens to him because there's rumors that George came back and wrote, you know, Yoda has this mysterious backstory um, and Disney needs to make some new stories. So why not ask George, hey, it, it, would you prefer us to make the backstory for Yoda and his species or would you prefer to do it? And I think he came back and did it. At least that's the rumor that I heard. So at some point, if we do see the family of the child in his home world, there's a good chance that George might've come back based on this rumor. I heard uh, George came back to um, develop that backstory in that world. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mind, mind blown. That's, that's, uh, that's a rumor. It, it, it's a rumor, but rumor. You, you know, you, you do hear, you know, George isn't happy with the way Star Wars, you know, the last the sequel trilogy turned out. I don't think anybody really is. Uh, I mean, it was a good it was a good set of movies. I don't want to get into it because that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, I really if if I was in charge, I would have gone back to the Thrawn trilogy and made the Thrawn trilogy as those sequels. 
and yeah. uh, I think everybody would have been happy. Yep. That's that's my synopsis, and uh, I'm not going to get into it. We'll save that for another episode. Very cool. Looking forward to talking about that and seeing what people think. I want to know what happens to the uh, Razor Crest because there is, you know, there again when you're watching the trailers, uh, you know, you see the first time he's it, the first time you see the Razor Crest, it looks like it's limping into a star system. Yep, and then you also see it being chased by X-wings, and it sounds like the X-wings are kind of hailing the Razor Crest and trying to figure out. Does that sound too Star Trekky? Hailing? No. Star Trek, and it felt like Star Trek coming out of my mouth. But <laughs> no, they're they're calling the Razor Crest, and they're chasing after it. So that is that part of it somehow? I do like the callbacks. You see the X-wings, and you and you see the uh, you know when they had the directors in those three X-wings blow up that space station. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, Star Killer Base is that the planet that the Jedi found their kyber crystals on? Uh, I would have to do research on that. I don't, I don't know. Because it, it connects to um, the Mandalorian Starkiller base. Yes, it is. Okay. Starkiller base is the ice planet of Ilum. Ilum? I-L-U-M. That's the base that the um, Jedi found their sabers at, or, or kyber crystals at. And we see that the Mandalorian crashes on an ice planet. So I'm interested to see if this is the same planet that becomes Starkiller Base. And then it pisses me off that Kylo Ren destroyed that planet for Starkiller Base. Because, yeah. you know, you watch the, in the Clone Wars, there's a really cool episode where the, the people are going to find their kyber crystals. And there again, going back, a throwback to last episode with Savvy's, it's cool because it's like you can go, I went through that ceremony. So you, you kind of know what those guys are going through. You can at least pretend you went through it. Uh, so it, it means a little bit more. Yeah, my mind is my mind's going a mile a minute right now because I'm starting to make these connections that it is the planet of the kyber crystals. And what if the Mandalorian and the child try to find some ancient Jedi relics on there or somebody who can help them? And Moff Gideon with his Darksaber and there's some sort of battle on that whole ice planet. I don't know. That's all speculation, but I'm just like, all right, all right, is it Friday yet? Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, the 30th. It's going to be here before we know it. Do you get up early first thing and watch or do you like go to work and come back? What's your habit there? Uh, I get up about an hour before I need to go to work. So I get my coffee and I will watch it before I go to work. And then when I get home, I watch it with the wife. Yeah, I um, I watch it with my son when I get home. I try to wake up early, but it's just going to be too early. So when I come home after I complete work and after he finishes school, we sit down together and I think he gets a joy, uh, kick out of me geeking out because there's just like this that we were just talking about the end of episode five where that boot comes out and might be the uh, Boba Fett. And I was like losing my crap and I was screaming, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. And he's just laughing at me because he thinks I'm ridiculous. But at the same time, I'm geeking out. So yeah, my, my wife does the same thing to me. So <laughs> that whole experience, I can't wait to do it all over again. And glad to know that season three is about to start production. So we can look forward to more of that in um, next year. Right. And, and, you know, I'll put the Mandalorian right up there with the Thrawn books as uh, there. It's not as much as saving Star Wars as the Thrawn books, but it's what we need. It, it, it came in at the right moment. Yeah. It's what we needed at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The only thing I didn't like was uh, the healing aspect, the, the new he the force power of healing people, which seemed to just set up that thing in um Rise of Skywalker with Ray doing it. Well, that's why they, that was their whole big thing. Yeah. 
that's why they released it a day early or a couple of days early so that people can watch it and be like, Ooh, there's a healing power. And then it just, and then it's in rise of Skywalker. I, I was wishing it was sort of a more, a bigger reveal than just, Oh, healing powers. Cause it did. They didn't make a big deal about it. And wavy thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do the jazz hands. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing about Mandalorian is it's got some humor in it and it's just so subtle. Uh, but you know, as a star Wars geek, you're going to get it. And, and even as not a, as a non star Wars geek, it, it's sort of like when you watch in your kids cartoons and, uh, it's a good cartoon because as an adult or, you know, the Simpsons, uh, for instance, and I know there's more to it, but I haven't watched a kid's cartoon in forever. The, the, the jokes are above your head or above the, you know, they make enough jokes to where they, the kids miss them, but the adults get it. And then there's yeah. enough jokes to where the kids will get it. So it's a good mixture of, of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what, uh, the original trilogy, at least the first one was a good mix of action adventure space fantasy and comedy it was i think that's the tone of star wars and i think the mandalorian really captures it john and dave are just incredible wordsmiths and storytellers dave filoni wears the cowboy hat and john's the glasses yep uh so anyway with john playing uh vizsla pre-vizsla in the clone wars and then he played the heavy mando or he voiced the heavy mando is it pos vizsla uh i think is it pos vizsla yeah, and they just call him Heavy Mando. Yeah. It's cool, and, and you know that they're geeking out uh, just like everybody else. And, and here's, a, here's a throwback. Did you know – well, you watch the stuff, the, the behind the scenes, but in the behind the scenes, those X-Wings, the interior of the X-Wings that they used when they blew yes. up that space station was the one in Galaxy's Edge in Florida. Yes, they just they hijacked it on their way on the way down to Florida. They were driving it, and they are like, we need to borrow this so the – the X-wing that you see, and I completely forgot about that when I was there. The X-wing you, the X-wing you see in Galaxy's Edge is a screen-used X-wing. <laughs> that just blew my mind, and I'm like, crap! If I'd have known that, I'd have paid more attention to it. Okay, I've been there. I've seen that. Holy crap! Yep. You know, if they do bring Galaxy's Edge into the Mandalorian, it, it's going to be that much cooler. Where you can be, I've been there. And I think, um, kind of talking about tone real quick, the thing I. I think the Mandalorian does really well is it goes back to the things that inspired George Lucas and they kind of build off of that. So they went back to Westerns and samurai movies to build the Mandalorian. Whereas I think the sequel trilogy was inspired by star Wars. So it was almost like a photocopy of a photocopy. At least that's my est- estimation of this, of um, what happened, but I, I really like how it's, it's, it feels like the gritty Western. It feels like a samurai movie samurai movies that people have been like this is what it is you know watch yeah. this and and you you can see where they got the inspiration for the mandalorian from and, and i can't remember fistful of dollars is one of them and there's a, a samurai movie where it's a kid where it's a samurai watching a kid uh, having a you know so the same theory as the uh mandalorian in episode four sanctuary is basically the seven samurai which is a town that was being attacked by marauders and pirates they hire samurai to help them defend the town but in turn the samurai help the, t- the townspeople defend themselves that's basically what episode four is there yeah and that was a great episode um they show a loathe cat in there my wife was like holy crap yeah. a loathe cat so yeah that's one thing my son did love because again he loves the uh, star wars rebels and carried that through so he he kind of geeked out at that moment right so it's fun watching my wife geek out with me uh she doesn't do it very often but when she does it it's sort of special and uh uh, you know, speaking to my wife, when we do something or something goes good, I've got her saying, thank the maker. So <laughs> <laughs> I said it so much, she just picked it up from me. Oh, yeah. 
and I have a feeling that Bill Burrow will return. He was, if you listen to his podcast, there was a, there was a time back last December when he was talking about a project he was working on and then he kind of just shut himself down. He's like, I forget, I'm not going to talk about that. So I think he's coming back, which I really like Mayfield and all of his guns. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think that whole cast, that whole cast of characters is going to, we're going to end up seeing him again. And uh, I don't know if you noticed in the, in one of the trailers, it shows that blue guy that he, uh, Mandalorian froze. Yep. So maybe, you know, maybe he needs to unfreeze him to help him get out of a, out of a jam. So yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be cool. I'm really looking forward to it. This conversation is just like, is it Friday yet? Let's do this. (laughs) Right. It's getting me hyped up for Mandalorian. Uh, just cause I love that show. And, you know, like I said, anything Mandalorian I'm in for, because that's, that's sort of where I, I've always loved those characters. I, I'm kicking myself for not watching Clone Wars sooner because you don't realize, you, you know, it was at a time where I was, Oh, it's just a cartoon and you blow it off. And yeah. then you realize there's a whole Mandalore arc and you learn about Mandalore, uh, in it. And then when they brought it back in season seven, when they did the siege, siege of Mandalore in season seven, those yep. four or five episodes it was was just incredible and and i really hope they, they were shot so well and done so well they need to make a you know just edit them together and make a movie yeah i mean there's like four episode arcs throughout the clone wars that could be a little mini movie we had another topic but i think we're gonna we'll save it yeah we'll save it because <laughs> this took over yeah everything uh you got anything else you want to add to it I don't think so. Again, I'm just looking forward to the Mandalorian. It's going to be such a great, I feel like it's going to be a great season. I hope it is. Oh, it's going to be a great season because, you know, everything that, that those guys touch, it, it turns to gold. Even, even the crap episodes is incredible. Yeah. Now I'm hyping it up in my head and I have to go back to what I said at the start of this podcast <laughs> where it's not going to be as good as for season one or the empire strikes back. So just sit back and enjoy it. Sit back, enjoy the show. And uh, you know, Turn off your brain and just watch the pew-pews. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Jason, where can they find you on uh, social media? Find me on Instagram. I'm Jason Wasulko. That's W-A-S-U-L-K-O. You can go to wasulko.com and uh, learn about my writing. Awesome. You can find me on Instagram at Cajun Fett. Uh, you can find us on Smuggler's Galaxy uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us, smugglersgalaxy at gmail.com. You heard Jason mention our club. It's called the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, Send us a a like or or, or join. We got a couple of questions to kind of help weed out the bots. It's something pretty simple. And uh, I'll end it with with a phrase from the Mandalorian. This is the way. This is the way. (laughs) 